Welcome to this week's podcast. This is a repeat of the story of the prodigal son first heard in August last year. Please do enjoy. We gather our hearts and minds and bring ourselves into your presence. A time to be still, to reflect, like the younger brother, to be open and ready to hear your voice call out to us from deep within, just as the Father did. Wherever we are, whatever is happening, may we use this moment to stop and just be, to find you in all things, in all of time, deep within our soul, calling out. And as we listen, we begin afresh each new day with grace and compassion, as those before us have done. Hear us as we say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Luke 15, 11-32 And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there rose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. 
He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. The story of the prodigal, but not quite the way the Bible tells it. He just left. That was it. The father didn't want to talk to the older son because his younger son had just taken everything. Not off the shelves or out the bank. Those things didn't mean anything. The younger son had taken everything worth living for, for the old man. Asking for your inheritance before your father's demise was just wishing you dead. And that's how the old man felt. The father was sitting at the window looking at the dust now settled on the path his son had taken. That was five years ago. The younger son, if he had felt guilty, didn't anymore. In fact, he didn't feel much. He was numb to everything other than the moment he was living right now. It had been a fast life, it had been full on. He had had everything he wanted, the wealth of fame and power and kudos. But that felt years ago. Now he found he was staring into swill, with a finger drawing random shapes that meant nothing. He was lost just as his infamy would describe him in the future, lost to life, to others, and to himself. Foolishness, embarrassment. He had been taken for a ride by everyone, including himself. He recognised nothing around him, or anything about himself, except the truth. Life, as he understood it, had come to an end. But then, the dullest glimmer of something, it wasn't exactly hope, but it was perhaps a way out. I'll negotiate my sonship for servanthood. That might work. And he tried. The words were on his lips. He had spoken most of them, but his father, who had just run to meet him and he'd never seen him do that before, let him talk. But he wasn't listening, because he had something to say that would trump even the best arguments of his son. 
Welcome home, son. Lost son. Now found son. Dead son, but now alive son. Now we can party. The older son. Remember him? Well, he felt no one had. Everyone was celebrating along with the fatted calf. That's not what's meant to happen, the elder son was saying. As against the rules, said the ruler of the farm now. He was a bookkeeper, and he felt someone had just cooked them. He was the only one who hadn't given up, hadn't lost anything, hadn't been defeated, actually hadn't died at some point in this story. He was still alive, and he felt miserable. Here's an iconic story that we've all grown up with. Even Jesus grew up with a version of this story, because when you read it, does it not sound a lot like the story of Esau and Jacob? Stolen futures, tricking fathers, trickster younger brothers, for whom the deal they make doesn't come off. The big turning moment is, of course, the moment the son having played out in his head a new deal with his father to move from son to servant, confronts the old man, who doesn't give the idea even room to breathe. It's a non-starter before it is even fully formed. Because the father had a different deal to make, off the back of the original one that wounded and hurt him so completely. The deal is, welcome home, son. I'm organising a party for you. I've been doing so since the moment you left. It's great. That day has finally arrived. Okay, that's not exactly what he said. But it is what's spoken in the spaces between the words. You see, the father seems to have no problem moving from forgiveness to celebration. There's no, now, have you learned your lesson? Let's have some good behaviour from you now. There's no penitentiary between the sun coming back and the party starting. It's a picture of grace that shows how huge it is. Confession is not a transaction or a negotiation. Confession is actually the last gasp that admits all my past life is dead. All that got me to this point is dead. Robert Capon says, Confession is not a medicine leading to recovery. If we could recover, all we would need to do would be apologise, not confess. But, he says, we never recover. We die. And if we live again, it is not because the old parts of our life are rejigged back into life but because some holy other life takes up residence in our death. And that is grace. In other words, it is a restart, a reboot. God replaces all that stuff that we confess about and starts again. It is as total as that. It's not remedial. It's not a transaction. It's the last gasp that finally admits we're dead and only a new life will work from here on in. Resurrection. 
And that is the gift of the Father who knows that truth and can move from the Son's confession to the celebration. Only admitting he is dead to anything that he would call life in the past does the Son have life in the future. The Church's gift to each of us, to our communities, to our neighbourhoods, to ourselves, is God's gift of forgiveness. It is how grace operates that sets us free with brand new life. There's no going back, because that back doesn't exist anymore. Let us pray. Loving God, with every action we take, there is a consequence, either for ourselves or for those around us. Sometimes we think we are doing the right thing for the right reason, but it is only after the event that we discover the truth. What we deem to be rightfully ours does not always bring the peace and comfort we thought possible. Today may we remember those who are in difficult family situations, where tensions exist and opportunities to work through things are impossible. For those who feel leaving home is the only option, sleeping on the streets or wherever they can, may we find ways to help them find their road to a new beginning, a new way of seeing things and a chance to start again. As children and school staff prepare to return to school, we know there will be anxieties about what lies ahead. The new way of being school, whether the first year of school or going into their final year before they head off on a new adventure. A future planned out but not yet started. An old life rapidly changing into something new. Remind us to be there for them, to listen to their stories, to encourage and support them on this journey as they find their way. Creator God, as we move through another month, may we be reminded of all the good things that we have in our lives and find the time and space to look for other opportunities that lift our spirits and remind us you are always with us. Loving God, in our silence, we bring before you the prayers of those who are on our hearts and minds. We bring to you all those in difficult family situations and everyone who has no safe and warm place to sleep. We bring them to you in the silence now. These are our prayers. Amen. Go in peace. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the commonwealth of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.